Hey dreamers, welcome to the Dream Planning Podcast. If you've been led here, I believe it was on purpose. You are created and loved by God and your life is full of purpose. If you've been sitting in a season of searching or unfulfillment and you're ready to change your life and hear from God, this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Polly Payne, the CEO and founder of Horatio Printing, and I'm here to lead you in tactical, practical, faith-led trainings to help make your God-sized dreams a reality in your life and your business. Your dreams matter because you matter. So open up your planner, pour a cup of coffee, and let's dream together. Welcome back. I'm so excited for this episode. We are going to be talking about finances, which is an interesting, uncomfortable sometimes, and tricky topic as Christians. Um, Money, you know, is the root of all evil, right? And so we can get freaked out to earn money, to make a profit, to have a healthy margin. Or honestly, if we're just being honest, we can totally neglect our finances, get caught up in all the things that we need or we want and just not have a plan and years and years of not having a plan can lead to some big problems. And so my passion for you um, is really that you would be on a path of wholeness. And if you've ever had one of our dream planners, you know, there's a wheel in the front for your personal growth section. And one of the main areas of that wheel, one of those slices of pie is your financial health. And if your financial health is struggling or you're feeling discouraged in that area, um, that will lead into issues into every other part of your life. If your finances aren't doing well, um, it's going to affect the way you show up to work. If your finances aren't doing well, it's going to affect your relationships. You know, financial issues is one of the major causes of divorce, one of the biggest culprits. If your finances aren't doing well, it can literally make you sick or stressed or anxious. And we're supposed to be anxious for nothing. The Bible has a lot to say about finances, especially about debt, um, which is why I'm a huge fan of Dave Ramsey and kind of did that process in my life. But today I'm so excited. I have a financial expert here. I have Amanda Neely that I'm going to be um, bringing onto the show and she is incredible. She has a great podcast called Grandma's Wealth Wisdom. We've had some conversations. I absolutely adore her advice and also her story. So we're going to go through her story today and, um, and get some just good advice from her. So if this is an area you want to level up, then this is the episode for you. So Amanda, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Polly. It's great to be here. Yay. So tell us a little bit about your story um, and kind of how you started this approach to financial help, especially as a Christian. Yeah. I, I never knew that I would be a financial professional. That um, was a surprise to me. I actually started um, after college in the nonprofit sector. I was on a mission to make the world a better place. And I felt God had, you know, pushed me along that path and I loved it. I learned a ton, but over time I realized that that wasn't where I, I was meant to be. Um, the role that I'd found myself in was as a grant writer. So I would write grants to uh, raise money from wealthy individuals that then we would tell people in communities that didn't have resources, here's what you have to do with this money. And I didn't like being in that place. I wanted to be with the people that aren't, you know, don't have the resources. I mean, 
we see this time and time again in scripture, that's where Jesus is, right? I wanted mm-hmm. to be there with them and have this grassroots, you know, like bubbling up of changing communities from within. And so I, I realized that a big way that that happens is through business. And so my husband and I started a business. It was a independent coffee shop in a neighborhood in Chicago. And the whole reason we started that was because we wanted to transform that neighborhood and the neighborhoods around it, help people really like get to know there was something better for them and awaken their spirits to Mm -hmm. like dreaming. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, hopefully introduce them to Jesus along the way. Right. Um, kind of being the, the, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, I think it was, that said like, you know, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. This was like how we were going to share the gospel, just being the hands and feet of Jesus, being boots on the ground in the neighborhood. And then along the way, we got to pray for a lot of people. It was, it was great. Um, and then we found out we were pregnant. We had gone through a lot of struggle getting that business going. We decided we were going to look at other options. We ended up selling that business to another, uh, to actually a nonprofit. It was going to use it to do more job training in that community and things. And when we looked at like, what's the next thing, what do we do to continue to help people to help them, you know, awaken to something better for them and to like fulfill their purpose and uh, mission in life. We realized that the, our story with money had changed so dramatically that we had gone from the edge of bankruptcy to actual financial health. What if we did that with people? What if we helped them along that same journey? Because it had been so instrumental to us too. And so we got into this sector and, um, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's, um, easy. Most of the time it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. That's so beautiful. It's such an amazing way to serve people. And I think it's not the most common way you think, right? Um, But it's so crucial and it's so needed. And it's an area we could all use support, education, like, you know, like our taxes or just how to make a budget, how to balance something. Like we don't learn this. (laughs) And I remember reading the book, um, The Magical Art of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Mm -hmm. And I love at the beginning of the book, she says, it's okay that you don't know how to tidy. Nobody taught you. (laughs) I'm like, you're right. Nobody taught me this. And that's okay. Like if you are struggling in your finances, like you just need to learn. It's just, you know what? Like there's some new education. It might be something kind of obvious, but you just have to relearn it. And that's a sign of health to, to go back to the drawing board, to try something new, to build a new system, to be open to fresh ideas and growing. Right. Mm-hmm. So Marie, she's, she's amazing. She is. She is. I'm still working on the tidying stuff. Uh, and I could probably stand to read that book again, <laughs> but, um, yes. So let's dive right into the good stuff exactly what do you do with people? And then I want to ask more of your advice, but like, what's kind of your bread and butter right now? Yeah. I love taking people who they've built at least some stability. They might still be living paycheck to paycheck or month to month, but they're not going into further debt. There's awesome people that help, you know, do debt counseling, helping people figure out that side. Um, but it, and people might still have debt, but they're at least at a place where uh, things are stable and they're starting to think, well, what's next? What do I do to make sure that I'm saving for a retirement, that I'm paying for my kids' college, that I'm 
saving for the down payment of a home? Should I get out of debt? How much should I save? Like those kind of bigger, longer term thinking questions, or I love to come in and walk alongside someone and say, okay, let's look out the next 40, 50 years, right? And let's see what's coming on the horizon. And let's, let's like, where do you want to be later? And where are you at now? And how do we carve that path between now and later? That's so good. Um, So what would be if let's say someone is right now currently struggling, we're going to talk about the personal and the business side. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening and you have a business and you want to talk about business finance, we're going to get there. Um, But I want to touch on personal finance first. What would be your advice to someone who is there right now in that space? You just love to help. And then what would you also say to someone who's like, I need the debt counseling? Like, where would you send them? Where would you leave them? Yeah. The, the thing that I think people do too quickly is go look for advice, right? They open up a browser on their, you know, and they, they search, you know, how do I get out of debt? How do I save for retirement? And there's so many voices out there that that just gets overwhelming and confusing. Who do I trust? Who do I listen to? So what I like to um, encourage people to do is make a, a money date and make it literally a date. Get some ice cream, grab some food, whatever is you know going to help you feel really good in that moment and have whoever you share finances with, your spouse or um, just yourself is fine too if you're single. And just sit there and have a conversation or journal. What, what do you want your money to do for you? Pretend you're queen of money for the day. What's important to you about what what values you want that money to have and what you want it to be doing out of those values. So it's really important for you to know your money safe and protected, then that's great. You know, if you're like, no, I actually, I'm okay. If I lose a little bit of me, I, I want to seek lots of growth. That's good too. Right. But you have to kind of look internally, maybe go to the scriptures, read a little bit of what's there, ask God, you know, what do you want for my money? And have some goals, have some ideas, and then go look at then how do you do that, right? So if you want to make sure your money's safe and protected, then you might go and find someone who's a safe money expert. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not going to go to the latest stock jockey who's pushing cryptocurrency, you know, or something like that, right? And so then you can find the expert that can help you achieve the goals that you've set for yourself. So it's kind of this... Um, revisiting where you are and where you want to be first before then you go look for wisdom and advice out there from someone That's so else. so good because we're all different in our risk aversion um, and our dreams of what we want and what does uh, success look like for us. Um, I love the idea of the money date. Uh, my husband and I have two financial planning sessions a month. And, um, when we first got started, they were trickier, obviously, because it's got to take some minutes to get a system going and to get both people on board, uh, and to keep track of it. But scheduling time to stress about something that's stressing you out, like literally having a worry, a worry date, like, let's say you're really stressed about money, having a scheduled date to sit down and, and to work on it to me is really relieving. Uh, if you and your spouse are always talking about finances and fighting over it and 
well, you and this, that, and the other. Well, save all of it for that session so that it doesn't have to bleed into the rest of your life. You know, it's good to contain it to a specific place. When my husband and I used to sit down early in our marriage for these financial planning sessions, you know, we had a bottle of wine, some cheese, like we tried to make it nice, as nice as we could, uh, to where it was something, how can we make this enjoyable? And not everything in life is, is that enjoyable, but why not ask the question, how could I make this more enjoyable? I love your idea of ice cream. Yeah. How could I make this more fun and light and exciting? Sometimes it's a really great question. Like if I'm the queen of my money, what do I want my money to do for me? Because if we don't tell our money where to go, we'll wonder where it went. Right. Exactly. Um, and what would you say to someone who is in like crippling debt? They're really stressed. They are swamped. They are, uh, where would you lead them before maybe helping them eventually? Yeah. The, the biggest thing is that debt is like you're bleeding. Mm-hmm. And if you were bleeding, you would want to stop the bleeding first. You put on a tourniquet, right? You put pressure on it. You've, you've got to find that will and ask God to give you that will if you can't find it for yourself to, to cut it off, right? To stop going further into debt. And sometimes that takes drastic measures like maybe moving or trading in a really expensive car for something less expensive. Um, Maybe it requires a job change. Maybe it requires a spending freeze. Like I'm not going to spend money at all for one week and just see if I can do it, right? There's, there's lots of creative ways that you can find things. And that's actually a good place to go to the internet. Like how do I save money on my car, right? Like, or how do I um, uh, save money on housing costs? Or there's lots of frugal living kind of people out there that help you save money on groceries, right? All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once you've stopped the bleeding or um that's when you can go to a debt counselor if you're thinking well do i need to declare bankruptcy right or can i get out of this on my own um if there's particularly some major like medical debt or it's hard to find a job or you know like there there are some really critical situations that people are in when they definitely need expert help and that's when you might go to a leader in your church and ask them who, you know, like what resources are available in our community, right. That, uh, you would send me to, right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and, uh, if not, then, you know, maybe there's a social worker or something like that could, that could direct you to some, some resources if that's not available in your faith community. Um, did that, so that's yeah. kind of where I would go first. You stop the bleeding. If you really can't figure out how to stop the bleeding or that doesn't seem to work enough, then that's when you seek professional help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. My husband and I were in quite a bit of debt. Uh, my business used to create a lot of debt because it's, you, know, you have to buy products months in advance. And then my husband had a credit card and student loans. I had credit card debt and some student loans. And so early in marriage, it was like, okay, we need a plan. We weren't keen on combining our accounts at first. Uh, We were just kind of lazy on that. And um, there was a moment, a shift, especially when I quit my job and I was like, okay, now Horatio is my income where it was like, uh, we need a plan. We need a united front because you can't, 
dig yourself out of a hole if you're continuing to dig the bottom out from underneath you, you know, and that was the problem with using the credit cards every month on expenses, living in Manhattan, things add up, you know, one glass of wine's 14 bucks, you know, um, and you know, the foods and eating out and it's, it's just a different, it's just an expensive place to live. The rent was really expensive, all of that stuff. So we did the financial peace university route, uh, which is, the first three steps of that curriculum uh, with the debt snowball and the payments and getting the wins and just getting motivated to get angry at your debt and, and get mad at the people making money off of your debt, you know, and the interest um, that was really helpful just for a mindset shift and for a plan uh, for us. And so we did that for a while. We did the cash envelope system, which was super helpful. Um, we would, you know, we had a zero sum budget. We would take out our cash for the month, put it into the envelope, separate it. Here's your money, Luke. Here's my money. Here's the grocery money. And then even when we, when we moved to Europe for six weeks, we did cash envelopes on our vacation. Uh, the euros didn't fit as well in the, <laughs> in the thing. And the coins obviously didn't fit as well either with the euro, but, um, we were on cash envelope for our vacation and we stayed at inexpensive Airbnbs that were 50 bucks a night. And let me tell you, we had a great time. We had a great time. Yep. We, we, we went to a lot of the grocery stores locally and some nights we, I cooked in, which was not half as good as the actual Italian restaurants we could have gone to. Uh, but we ate out when we wanted to, and we were, we had a great time. You know, uh, you can still be frugal and thrifty and adventurous yeah. Uh, mind you, after the pandemic's over, but <laughs> or once the things are back to normal. Yeah. Um, but that that kind of idea of almost like gamifying it. Mm-hmm. If you if you're like, okay, here's the game, right? Here's the rules of the game. We're going to you know start with our smallest debt or start with our highest interest debt. We're gonna you know work this game this way. The fun of the game comes in that you can't change the rules, right? And then you have to like be creative. How do you, you know, play the game without changing the rules of it? And that's when you find things like, oh, we could stay at an Airbnb rather than an expensive hotel. We could cook our own food rather than eating out. We could, you know, the, all the creative ideas come and some of them might be inspired by the Holy Spirit. You don't know. Yeah. Like, there's some really fun stuff that can happen when you, when you like, don't, when you've overcome the stress of it and figured out a way to actually make it like, oh, this is going to actually make me a better person. It's going to be part of that personal development. I'm going to be more creative. I'm going to find solutions. That's what grandma did, right? That's why Mm -hmm. she grew her own food and knew how to sew. And, you know, and we have YouTube that we can learn how to sew if we need to, right? Like instead of going and buying a new thing, like there's so many ways, like even yesterday, our air conditioner broke. I'm immediately going to the internet. How do I fix this myself rather than mm-hmm. have to pay someone else to, else to do it? And I think that there's a lot to like, don't look at money to solve your problems, right? Look at how, how can you do it yourself? How can you ask God for help? Like I learned this a lot when I was in college, right? Totally broke, not knowing how I was going to do something. And so many times I just prayed, God, help me figure this out. And I, I think I need this thing for class, right? How do I get it? Um, without spending money. And sometimes it would just show up, right? Amazing. That's when miracles happen. It's when you don't try to solve your problems yourself by just throwing money at it. 
God is so kind with wisdom. That's one of the gifts. If you pray for wisdom, hold on to your hat. Like God <laughs> will bring people into your life. He, he, he is really good at that. That is, that's a great prayer to pray. Sometimes you learn it through a struggle and you're like, oh man, I wish you didn't have to learn it that way. But, um, you know, look at Samuel, you know, he prayed for wisdom and God was honored by his prayer yeah. that it wasn't self-serving. It was to do good. And so pray for wisdom and hopefully this podcast is blessing you in some way for that. Um, I love the gamification and also the idea that you can still live your dreams while, you know, being on a budget while figuring out, I think the most exciting part of once you get started on the plan, you see it work and you're like, Oh my gosh. And like, guess what? We, we got out of debt. We completely got out of debt. And it was like, I can't believe we did that. Like, that's amazing. It happened. We have full clarity, uh, our fights on financial stuff of, I can't believe you spent that or this, that, and the other. Cause my husband's more on the frugal side of grocery shopping. Like if he goes shopping, he's going to buy like the smallest jar of peanut butter. And it's, it's like, that's actually not the smartest idea. If we're eating it every day, we need to get the large one, but he's going to spend the least amount he can at the grocery mm -hmm. store. He's just a naturally frugal person, which is not a bad thing. I, you know, that's great. We yin and yang for sure. Um, but us having a plan and having a boundary and I stay in that boundary. It's just made our marriage stronger. And that yeah. is so, so great. And you can relearn and retrust yourself again. If you're, you know, a single, it's like, you can relearn to, I can trust myself with this, these financial decisions. And uh, by creating these boundaries and holding myself to it. And you can relearn the uh, power of your finances. Yeah. I, I have to go back to something you said at the beginning, how it's all about wholeness, right? Mm -hmm. So um, like you mentioned, right, when your money is out of whack, that can impact your relationships, your physical health, you know, like all the things. But also when those things are out of whack, it can impact your money too. Mm -hmm. And to think about it, as actually we're going to fix, not fix, we're going to make our relationship more whole, more godly if by thinking about our money, right? Mm -hmm. um, a big thing for me, thinking about like physical fitness as a mom, by having those boundaries on my money, I'm not going to go buy the ice cream every day, right? Like, mm -hmm. and that's going to help me be physically better too. And so seeing how the goals intertwine can also be super motivating and build confidence. Like I can be physically fit and my money is going to help me do that rather than be a hindrance to it. Right. And, um, seeing those goals like intertwine rather than be these little silos in our lives. Right. Yeah. And all of them help with anxiety or stress or overwhelm, which we're all dealing with, right? Like meal prepping, planning ahead helps with our finances, helps with your diet, helps with your stress levels. Like it hits a bunch of buckets, right? There's different things that can, that can help in that way. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, um, like before we go into business for personal, uh, finances, how do you recommend people budget? Like, do you recommend an app a spreadsheet? Are you pen and paper? Or are you like, do what you want? It's your jam. Yeah. I I'm a little bit of a budgeting nerd. So I'm asking people when I talk with them a lot, how do you budget? Do you use a spreadsheet? Do you use an app? Do you use 
envelopes, right? What, what are you doing? And people are all across the board. You kind of have to do what works for you. But I do have to share what works really well for me. And I've seen it work really well for other people. It's an app called You Need a Budget. Oh, I've Why seen app. this. Yes. You Need a Budget. And what's amazing at it is you buy like one um, subscription to it and you can have it on your laptop. You can have it on your phone. You can have it on your significant other's phone, right? Like you, um, you and you can see your budget in real time. But the and so that's great. But there's also they keep it really simple. They have four rules that you have to follow, and they have all kinds of educational things to help you teach you those rules, help you imp implement those rules. Use the software if you want, but also you could use those rules in um, in a spreadsheet or in another app or whatever. They're just really solid. Uh, the first rule is give every dollar a job. So when you haven't money come in, you assign it jobs. It's almost like the Ramsey envelope system. You're just doing it maybe on a spreadsheet or in an app in, instead. Give but, it a home. Yeah. yeah. Make sure every every dollar has a, something to do. Uh, number two is embrace your true expenses. Uh, Christmas, right? We spend money at Christmas. The YNAB method has you take, let's say you're going to spend um, just for easy money, uh, why $600 for Christmas, you budget $50 a month toward Christmas. So then it's not a big surprise. Same with like oil change is going to happen once a quarter or once every six months, you budget your oil change every month. So then you, you're embracing those true expenses, um, thinking what's not every month that I need to account for every month. Mm -hmm. uh, number three is roll with the punches. When things change, don't beat yourself up. Just say, okay, we overspent on groceries. We're going to take a little bit out of our restaurant budget and we're going to put it toward our grocery budget or vice versa. Right? Like you can move things around within reason, you know, right. Don't want to mm -hmm. be doing that all the time, but life changes, right? You get a flat tire when you didn't expect to, and you got to move things around. And then the fourth one is age your money, which means, um, spend money that's older, right? And that's how you really break the paycheck to paycheck cycle. Right. And as you're following actually those first three rules, number four actually just kind of happens on its own where you're spending older and older dollars and your money is sticking with you longer and longer. That's so good. Do you have like a rule of thumb of how much to save out of your paycheck a month? Like how much you want to be or like a goal or like yeah. start here? What's the goal? Yeah. So this is where I go back to grandma and the greatest generation, right. That came of, you know, came through the great depression, saw world war two, what they literally did. And I've started doing this. It's totally changed my world is what we call grandma's 10, 10, 10 savings formula. 10% of income goes to long-term savings, things like retirement. 10% goes to medium-term savings, things like a roof repair or your next car, kids college, things that are going to be more than five years out, but you know, maybe less than 30. And then 10% goes to short-term things like that happen once a year or less frequently like Christmas or holiday, you know, vacations. Yeah. Or the like, gutters need to get cleaned or yeah. something. Back yeah. to school time. Yeah. <laughs> stuff sure. like that. Um, and so then on my YNAB, I actually, um, I've, it allows you to prioritize things really easily. So like my first line is my giving, right? I do my tithes 10%. And then I do my long-term savings and my medium-term savings, just kind of set that aside. I'll figure out really what that's for later. Um, and then from there, it's like the regular monthly things, like the mortgage, the electric, all those kind of things. But at the bottom, I have this big bucket of short-term savings where I'm breaking that down into here's my Christmas budget, our vacation budget, uh, those kind of things. I put our fun money in there too. 
Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yes, for sure. That's amazing. I love that. I have not heard that before and I love it. Our, our goal was about 15% to savings. Um, and that's been kind of where we've been sitting, but mm-hmm. this is a little more aggressive and I do like a challenge. Um, yeah. so let's, let's jump gears into business. Cause I do have some business entrepreneurs that listen to the podcast. And so I want to chat a little bit about business finances. There is a lot of mixed messages out there. You have to have debt to grow. Um, debt is good for business and I don't buy it. I, I'm a big fan of, uh, I've been watching Emily Lay as she's grown her planner business. And I have a lot of respect for her and what she's built. And I know she was really big on Dave Ramsey and she was really, really uh, focused on creating her business to be debt-free and to be her own bank. And I remember thinking, I've got to do that. That has absolutely has. It's been my goal for a long time. And we finally hit that goal of um, being debt-free and being able to actually save money to buy our inventory upfront, uh, which is going to this year save a lot of money on what I would normally be right now in a lot of debt because right now we haven't launched our planners. We've purchased the planners in full. Um, and that's usually a huge investment upfront for us in capital that we typically have to borrow some of that from either a family loan or a bank loan or a Shopify loan. We've done all sorts of different types of loans, but all sorts of loans have all sorts of interest compounding. And so um, let's talk about business finance. What do you have in terms of advice for entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to make this a little bit of a story. So um, we, when we owned that coffee shop business, you can imagine we didn't make very much money selling $2 cups of coffee, but it was a passion project for us. It was learning. We were kind of okay with that. And then our eyes were woken up that we were on the edge of bankruptcy and we decided we need to change this. We have to have that solid foundation. We can't end global poverty if we're in poverty ourselves. Right. And so we, we were like, okay, let's get serious about this. We found YNAB. We started, you know, setting, you know, doing the personal side and I heard this guy named Mike Michalowicz on a podcast, and he talked about this idea of pay yourself first rather than last um, within your business. And so we we made that switch. Just hearing him on that podcast was like, okay, beginning of the month, we're going to make sure we pay ourselves, um, and we're going to pay our, like pay ourselves first in the business, and we're going to figure out how to run the business from everything else. And we had been on time with every single bill the whole time in our business, right? Always run payroll on time, paid our rent on time, all the things. I was like, if we're late on, you know, paying our, our rent, our landlord's not going to kick us out right away. We can get some leeway. I'm just going to by faith, pay ourselves first and we'll figure it out. And we still never missed a bill. Funny enough, we were always on time with payroll and everything, but it was be- that sh- that shift of we're going to at least cover our basic expenses first. Then we're going to figure out how to run the business. Our business was a lot leaner. Our staff, we kind of gamified it a little bit. Like how can we make little one person improvements? You know, when you're making a latte, measure the milk a little more precisely. So one extra pastry per shift, like um, let's, you know, reduce expenses, increase revenue, even just like by little shifts like that. Cause we, we were like, we know you want to get paid. You want to keep your jobs, you know, those kind of things. And it became a lot more fun. Mm -hmm. And that's actually literally what made our business able to be sold is because we had actually made it a 
something that could pay a manager, right? Um, Cause the people we sold it to, they, that was a nonprofit, but they didn't want it to be a, you know, uh, sucking the money out of the nonprofit. They wanted to generate money to support that nonprofit and be able to pay someone to manage it. So that was really good. We ended up getting out of debt within two and a half years, both business and personal debt. Um, it, 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 all the challenges of business, it made it a little easier. So then we went into this new business. I, uh, my husband was listening to Mike Michalowicz's podcast and found out he could leave a review on that podcast and get the profit first book for free. And so he did that. He got it for free. He wrapped it up and put it under the Christmas tree for me. <laughs> and I devoured that book between Christmas and New Year's. It seemed like, yes, this is exactly the kind of thinking about money that makes sense to me. And January 1st, we were fully implementing Profit First. Now, at its root, Profit First is basically that. You take your revenue from your business, you take your profit first, you pay yourself first, and then you run the business, your operating expenses, and whatever's left. You could go do that and be, you know, fine. Mm -hmm. But when you actually like read the book and look at the full method, he takes your, you know, revenue and then you cover your, op like your inventory or contractors, you know, first um, from that. And then whatever's left is your real revenue. You take your profit, then you take owner's compensation. Those are actually two different things. And then you set aside money for taxes to make sure you're going to be able to pay the internal revenue service. Let's do them. And then you run your business off of, you know, what's left the operating expenses. And he does a really great job of breaking down what those percentages are for your size of business, as well as start where you are. If a hundred percent of your money is currently going to operating expenses. Okay. Like no judgment, but here's mm -hmm. how you walk toward being able to pay yourself and pay yourself well, uh, doing things like an expense challenge, uh, starting with a 1% shift rather than jumping straight to five. There's all kinds of great um, tips within that book. And um, it's been so transformational for us that we actually became profit first professionals and we're walking alongside business owners, helping them take those steps without just like people read the book. It usually takes them a year to like fully implement profit first. When we walk it through with people, we can get it done in six weeks. And then they're, they're profitable actually from week one. And by the end of six weeks, they know how they're going to get to full profitability. Amazing. And I love that book. I love Mike Michalowicz. I was introduced to Mike Michalowicz, I don't know him personally, but to his <laughs> books and teachings um, through my friend, Caroline Williams. She put me on to his book, The Pumpkin Plan, because I have so many products and so many things that I like to dabble in. And it's really tough to build a, a successful business um, that has enough revenue to survive if you are do, selling a hundred different things and promoting a hundred different things. And so I got that book and then he talked about the profit first, how important that is. So I was like, I need to read this book. So I devoured it um, when we were living in Florida and I told my husband, I've got to do this. Like, this is the only way <laughs> because, and I think if you haven't run a business very long or maybe you've never run a business, but you want to, um, you might be surprised to know it's very, very common for owners to like not pay themselves or pay themselves last. And um, I think it's so easy for us to put other needs in front of our own. And so we're like, 
you know, you get into this cycle of like, everything has to get paid. Like I'll take the remnants, you know, maybe there's not any. And there's been so many times running Horatio where I didn't pay myself or Luke had to pick up the slack. And like for the whole summer, like I didn't make an income. I still worked, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, but I wasn't making income. And so that's tough when you are working so hard, you're not seeing the fruits of your labor, but it's such a common song. And so Mike walks you through uh, why that's not okay and why that's going to make you sick and burn out. Uh, and that's not the point of why you got in business to work for yourself. And so just kind of the obvious stuff, but in a funny way as well. And how, you know, the topic of the book is profit first and it's called the profit first method, but it doesn't mean that it's like all I care about is profit. It's just reminding you that, Hey, you were supposed to do profit. Like profit was supposed to happen. Like you need to pay yourself some salary. And here's a step-by-step easy plan to make sure you're actually making money in this business. And the biggest problem is your expenses and what you're spending money on. And like Amanda was saying, you're probably bleeding out. And like, where are you bleeding out? And you probably don't even know it. There's so many apps I sign up for, new subscriptions, advertising campaigns. As soon as you make money, it's really easy to spend it if you don't have a clear plan. Like maybe an app you're not using anymore and like that subscription is just eating away at your resources and little things add up. So it really helps you gamify that and go, okay, let's figure out what I can cut because everything you cut is going to eventually add more profit. And here's the thing about profit. Profit is self-care for your business. Without profit, you can't make impact. Without profit, you can't hire that single mom that needs a job. Without profit, you can't give back and help people. Like in my business, we give part of our profit to A21 to fight human trafficking. We give 20%. If I am wasting all my money spending on some worthless app that's charging me $250 a month, that could have gone to profit. That could have helped save somebody or given them a kit at one of the safe homes in Greece, right? So when you think about this, from a Christian perspective, profit is good. Profit equals impact, you know, and it's not a sinful thing to have healthy margins, to have profitability. It's actually really necessary. If you want to stay in business, if you want to stay in business, you've got to have it. So getting a plan, getting over the um, stigma you might have on profitability on finances is so critical and it's really been revolutionary for me. I think of profit first as a kind of like the cash envelope system. So my business account, I have, um, I actually have seven business accounts. So I've got an expense account with one bank and then I've got, um, with my other bank, I have an income account where all money flows in and then twice a month money flows out into the buckets. I have a profit bucket, an owner's comp bucket, a tax bucket, an inventory bucket so I can buy inventory. Um, And what's the other bucket? Operating expenses. Yeah, operating expenses. Maybe it's only six accounts. But anyways, I divvy them out. And that way, uh, when you add it all up, you might go, wow, there's a lot of money sitting in my business. But when they're all split up into their homes, into their places, you have less operating expense than you think you do. And also that helps me have peace of, okay, I've got two months of my payroll ready. And for me moving forward, looking ahead at uh, a maternity leave, right. And going, okay, I've got three months of my income. If 
something terrible happens, like I'm going to be okay. And that gives me peace as a mom who's going to take a maternity leave. That gives me peace that I can hire, you know, if my operating expense has some cushion there, I can hire a VA. It helps you make all those decisions. Am I ready to hire somebody? Can I buy more inventory? Well, how are your buckets? You know, it just, all those questions of like, what do I do with this money? How much do I pay myself? All those things are answered when you have this uh, framework. And so we are both big fans of it, which is one of the reasons we connected so well. And I have to add, since I'm in business with my husband and we do business together, Profit First makes us fight a lot less about <laughs> what we're going to do within the business, right? He went, He has always come up with these ideas. We, we should go do this. I'm like, well, do we have the money in the operating expense for, you know, account right now? And he can pull up the account balance and be like, oh, we don't, <laughs> right? Like, so, well, then let's table that idea, right? He's the spender and I'm the frugal one in our relationship. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how it goes. Uh, and that's, it's just nice to have that clarity. Mm -hmm. um, and it took me many, many years of mistakes to finally get there. And I'm glad I found it. So um, where can people find you and connect more with you, Amanda? Yeah, grandmaswealthwisdom.com is the website or wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can find the Grandma's Wealth Wisdom podcast in the same place. Um, we have lots of content out there to help inspire people within the personal side and the business side to break through to a smart, stable financial future. It's amazing. And I've invited Amanda to speak at our dreamer summit during the breakout session, specifically on personal finance. And so if you are attending the dreamer summit, which you said it's December 3rd, 4th and 5th tickets go on sale, September 30th. Um, you will be able to attend this and really go deep into some training and support with Amanda. She's got some amazing resources to help you. Uh, so you'll get to dive deeper with her, connect with her, uh, see her face and uh, enjoy that training. And then even if let's say you go to the summit and you end up doing the spiritual growth breakout, you'll have access to the recording of all the breakouts as an attendee with your uh, digital all access pass. Uh, so you'll get access to that. So just want to let you know, there'll be more of Amanda to come in December. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Well, thank you so much for blessing us and this conversation. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you. Yay. Wasn't that amazing? I am so thankful for Amanda. If you like this episode, be sure to leave us a quick five second review on iTunes or Apple podcast. It would mean the world to me. I read each and every one and I hope to see you at the Dreamer Summit this year. Be sure to check out the show notes to connect with Amanda.